Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and I'm flying solo once again, but shout out to all the listeners out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to show the show some love. Guys, we thank you all for continuing to get the word out there. Shout out especially to all of our international listeners, including those out in Luxembourg. Yeah, we see y'all. Of course, we've been tracking on our host on Red Circle and seeing lots of love from Luxembourg out there. So shout out to y'all there. Also, shout out to the listeners in France, Canada, Germany, and the UK. And of course, on AudioMac, want to give a big shout out as well to the continent over there, Africa, my listeners in Nigeria, also in South Africa and Ghana for y'all continuing to show love over there on AudioMac. Make sure y'all following us as well on AudioMac as well. And of course, y'all can get us as well on our website, vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. We got the goodness over there for y'all. Make sure y'all are hitting us up liking the show subscribing all that good stuff and of course you can find us on social media as we always say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics or mbtc and today we're gonna go back 30 years ago we're gonna go back to july 28th 1992 to the fourth and at that time which a lot of people thought was the final album of epmd the duo of Eric Sermon and Parrish Smith, a.k.a. E-Double and PMD. But thankfully, it was not the final album, Business Never Personal. They did break up after this album, but then reunited five years later in 1997. Broke up again, but then once again reunited, and they're now back together, still together as a duo today, as strong as ever, 30 years after we thought they originally had broken up. Particulars about Business Never Personal, released July 28th, 1992, Recorded between 91 and 92, with a runtime of just 38 minutes and 58 seconds on Def Jam and Columbia. The producers on this, of course, EPMD, Charlie Murata, DJ Scratch, and Mr. Bozak. Only two singles here from Business Never Personal. That was Crossover, released June 23rd, 1992, and Headbanger, released October 29th, 1992. Four albums by EPMD jumped on the scene back in 1988 with their debut album, which was Strictly Business. That, of course, has been hailed as a classic by so many of us in such a great year in hip-hop, followed up with many people would consider another classic in Unfinished Business in 1989, then followed that up with their third album, Business as Usual, in 1990, which was very successful, but it wasn't as acclaimed as the first two. And some people kind of thought that they fell off just a little bit, not fell off completely, but just a little bit. And I think that the standard they set through the first two albums are a part of why that was so. And then definitely came with two years later with Business Never Personal here in 1992. Just to talk a little bit about where we were at that particular time with EPMD. As we stated, this was the final EPMD album before their first breakup. Now, the group had already established themselves as one of hip-hop's best groups. Eric Sermon and Parrish Smith definitely complemented each other through their first three albums. 
They both had hands in production. In particular, we know Eric Sermon had a very large hand in their production. They were very heavily sample-based, and you can attribute that to Eric Sermon's work as a producer, but then also working with DJ Scratch, who was their DJ. Through their previous three albums, they built a loyal fan base and also a respect within the industry as a duo that definitely was not only grinders and hard workers, but were definitely true to who it was and what they were. They didn't make music to appeal to everyone or even, should I say, quote unquote, cross over. <laughs> they made their music for hip hop heads. That's what their audience and they stayed true to that. I want to say well through when they put down Strictly Business in 1988 and even now, 30 years later, they are still sticking towards that. And they've had some commercial hits. At least EPMD has had some that have had relatively big success. They've had some of the most famous songs in hip hop history, in particular, their lead single, You Got to Chill from Strictly Business is considered one of the best songs in hip hop history for good reason. So they have had success, but they've definitely always labeled themselves as underground and hardcore to their core. By the release of this album, they had a fully formed crew called the Hit Squad. And with the Hit Squad, they had a number of different MCs that definitely were a force to be reckoned with. Within the Hit Squad, they had MC K Solo, who definitely put out a couple of really dope albums. They also added in the Knuckleheads, Hurricane G. But then right around 1992, there were two big additions with the Hit Squad. It was one, the group Daz Effects, which, of course, were found by EPMD when they were doing a talent show while they were in college in Virginia and then got them their first record deal. And they blew up with their debut album released earlier in the year, Dead Serious. And then the second one was none other than Reggie Noble himself, Redman, who was getting ready to drop his debut album, What the Album, later on in 1992. So you want to talk about a crew of MCs that definitely had business to handle and were forced to be reckoned with. That was definitely the hit squad. And you're thinking right around 1992 that, hey, things are looking up. EPMD has put out four really, really dope albums. Now they got a squad behind them. Really, let's see what they can do when it comes to forming and being able to develop an actual crew of MCs and see what kind of damage they can do in the industry. But the end was coming soon. And the thing is, is that we didn't even know it. And if you talk to a lot of EPMD fans and even hip hop fans, for those who were around at that particular time, they'll tell you that it was devastating to them. And I'll get to that as I read an article in my research about this album a little bit later that I think captures the emotions of those fans just perfectly. But we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. My thoughts and reflections on EPMD business never personal. Now, I will have to be honest and say I got into this album a lot later than probably a lot of fans at EPMD did only because when this album came out in 1992, I was not a big EPMD fan at that particular time. I only became a big EPMD fan, I would say, right around middle school when I got into Eric Sermon's work and deeper into Redman's work and started looking back into Eric Sermon's past and then knowing the work they did with EPMD. I really had a late pass to this one. So right around the time in 1997 when Eric and Parrish decided to reunite and put out their Back in Business album, I pretty much pulled up this album to reacclimate myself with EPMD. And also, I've listened to it more than a few other times since then just to get myself sort of back into the frame of mind of where EPMD was back during that time. Now, I listened to that album in full during that time, waiting for the album to come out and before the first singles dropped from Back in Business. And what I remember being pressed by were primarily the beats on there. 
to me, I think they're arguably some of the hardest beats that they had on albums, which is saying something because EPMD's production has always been top tier, very heavily sample based beats. You know, always knocking drums. The bass lines are definitely hard as well. But to me, I felt like these beats were hard. Not only that, but I felt like they were kind of dark as well. And I don't know whether that was the sign of the times and what the mood was around EPMD, but I felt like they were dark and a little bit like more ominous than you would feel on some of the previous releases. And what I do also remember is that the chemistry was still there. After listening to all of their albums leading up to that Back in Business album, And leading up to this one, pretty much being the last one before that one, I always admired those two. They always had a chemistry between the two of them that they didn't step on each other's toes. There wasn't any solo tracks and one person rapping on one track and the other one rapping on another track. They were always on tracks with each other. Now, I always admired the first two, but the third album, Business as Usual, uh, it didn't really hit me as hard. Not to say that it wasn't a good album. It just didn't hit me as hard as the first two. I felt while listening to this album, Business Never Personal, that it struck me more as though in the tone of these first two. Only in one respect that I felt that it was a little bit darker. And I loved how EPMD stayed true to their style, even down to the end as the industry started to change. And as the power structure was starting to move away from New York and a little bit further over to the West Coast and the power structure would definitely be in the West Coast for the next couple of years, at least where they ran the game critically and commercially for a while due to the rise of death row, due to the rise of forces in the Bay. But they stayed true to the underground and hardcore to their core. Anybody that can listen to EPMD can definitely attest to that and know that they haven't changed in the almost now 40 years they've been together as a group. Highlights and lowlights. Getting into my highlights now, I think that the album starts off definitely with a bang when you get into the first track, which is Boondocks. Definitely a nice hard hitting track. Something that when you're starting off an album, the one thing I always give them credit for is they always come out the gate swinging, but they keep that up and that momentum continues at least through the first half of the album, almost at a breakneck pace. Getting into Nobody's Safe Chump, you know, a really short track, but definitely there's something that hits you hard. But then as it transitions into Can't Hear Nothing But The Music, a collaboration between EPMD and Charlie Murata production-wise, Definitely a track again as well that I thought was a standout. But when you get to Chill, Chill was a track that I thought that was like, man, (laughs) this is sort of like giving me vibes of you got to chill from their first album. But the two of them, Eric and Parrish, both spit some fire on this. And Low Key to me is one of my lyrically best tracks on here, along with the next track that's on there. And that's Headbanger. Now, Headbanger, come on, man. Like, we talk about dope posse cuts. The 90s was known for tons of good posse cuts, whether it was regular tracks or the remixes, the famous remixes we would have in the 90s. This is definitely a dope posse cut. Here you got EPMD. You have K-Solo and none other than Redman spitting nothing but hot fire on this track. Dope verse by K-Solo. EPMD, of course, does their thing, and Redman just absolutely destroys it. You knew by listening to this, if you were listening back then, that this dude had something, and he would show us later on this year with his first album just exactly what he was working with, and now 30 years later, we know exactly what he was capable of. Another underrated track on here, though, is Scratch Bring It Back, part number two, and let me tell you, one of my favorite things about this is the beat switch in the middle of this track, like... 
it is insane. It really is one of those things where, you know, the beats are already dope. But then when you get to that point where they sort of stop Paris from rapping and they implore him to go ahead and bring that hardcore shit, then the beat switches up and takes that song to a whole nother level. Definitely props on that. And then crossover. What else can you say about it? One of EPMD's classics tracks. I mean, you bring in the sample on that joint. I mean, hearing that joint for You Should Be Mine by Roger. Around that time, obviously, there were a lot of hip-hop folks who were looking to sample Roger and Zap. Then getting also the Bring the Noise sample by Public Enemy. And the message really in that song is something that I thought were reflective of the times as well. And that was the fact that they talked about they didn't want rappers to sort of start going pop and crossing over into the mainstream and forgetting exactly where the roots of the game actually were. This is just another thing we talk about. EPMD staying true to their roots, to the underground, to hardcore. And this was during a time when we saw the hip hop was slowly but surely starting to make its way into mainstream acceptance. It still was sort of like a stay outside the door stepchild, but there were like acts here and there that America was willing to let in the door. And that meant when you were being accepted by mainstream America, it also meant dollars. And so... We talk about this whole thing about keeping it real, about selling out. Well, this is really a message about not selling out for the game. So classic EPMD message to track right there. Another highlight coming at you. A way to capitalize on having Daz effects on your album right when they are still hot in the streets. Offer they want effects and microphone checker. And with Dead Serious being number one on the rap charts, this is a hit squad collaboration. Daz effects, of course, doing their job on there, drain scoops. And just to get another way to be able to get the squad in there to help capitalize on what we think is going to be a pretty long run for this squad in the game. And then one of the more underrated tracks on here as well. Play the next man. I love the message in that. The sample is, of course, as well. Them using that certain nose devoid of funk by Parliament and that can't trust it by Public Enemy jingling by LL Cool J and Raw by Big Daddy Kane. I mean, the layering of the samples on this album are ridiculous, and they've always been sort of known for that. Like, right around the late 80s, when that sort of took off, they were also one of the ones who were out there sort of in the mix of everything, taking that sound and capitalizing on that to make their music have depth and personality. The last highlight I'll go into is a track that I think many people won't pay attention to, and that is It's Going Down, which is the penultimate track on here. But I love the bass line on this. And of course, you love Eric and Paris going back and forth on this as well. The only low light I really have on here is Who Killed Jane? And the Jane series, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is the series about a groupie that turned into a stalker, almost obsessed type fan that were obsessed with the group. And then they had a series through each one of their albums. They would have a song about Jane. This part of the story is about Jane basically framing Parrish Smith to make it seem as though he murdered her. And while the concept is really dope, it's not executed, I think, as well as the other Jane songs on the other albums. So I would have to say if I had to nitpick and found a low light, I think that would be the one that would be the nitpick is jane is who killed jane but other than that though no other really low lights i think from a highlight perspective you got a lot of really really solid and dope songs definitely some consistency across the board some good guest spots for the most part though i would say all in all man just full of highlights and not really a lot of low lights notable quotables so with notable quotables i am actually going to go 
in a little bit of a different direction. You could definitely pick a verse off a of headbanger, which I think lyrically and flow wise is probably one of the best songs on the album. But I'm going to go ahead and go with chill and I'm going to go with PMD's verse on chill. I just loved like what he was spitting on here. Back up, boy. Move easy with the hand motion. Don't even blink, kid. I'm going to start smoking. The Glock cameras clock with the speed shot. 12 shots. The bus target is the brown fox. So call me smooth talk. Rhyme jaywalk with slang talk. B-boy fanatic. Straight from New York. The foundation. Landmark of the rap scene. EPMD's in effect. I'm clocking mad green. Like Kermit the Frog. Sloppy like Boss Hog. Girl was running wide. Ate her like a corn dog. Four mics are ready to flow in slow-mo. Know the rap game just like Bo No Hoes. <laughs> know the rap game just like Bo Knows Hoes. Gotta love it. Hard you get scarred messing with the hit squad. Slide easy and catch a bull shocks charge. No time to ill. Stay mental or puff a pill. Get the macadamians and yeah, kid, chill. <laughs> get the macadamians, you know, get the macadamians nuts. You get it. So definitely, I, I've always admired PMD for his flow and for his rhymes. I've always thought that he doesn't get nearly enough credit as he deserves, because I kind of think he gets overshadowed a little bit by Eric Sermon, considering Eric's career exploits, not just with EPMD, but outside of EPMD. But definitely PMD, I think, is one of the more underrated rappers that we don't give enough credit that definitely made some waves back in that time when EPMD was considered one of the top groups in the game. Final verdict. So my final verdict for this album, it's it's a little weird because to me, Looking at EPMD's catalog, considering of these four albums, which out of shadow of a doubt, I believe are their four best and not to begrudge any of their later releases, the back of businesses, the out in businesses, any other work they've done afterwards. This was them at their peak. This was them when creatively they were together and they were in sort of like that. I would say the sweet spot where they couldn't really miss when it comes to looking at this album though. I mean, there's not really a lot of low lights on here, anything that I can really nitpick, but I think that it's a little bit below the level of, I would say unfinished business and strictly business. And it's sort of at a level where I would say that it's more so at a consistent and steady level, but not as a highest level there. So what I'll say is that this is a borderline classic and I'll give it a score of a eight out of 10. I think that the highs on here are not as high as some of the other ones that I've heard on those albums I just mentioned, but I do think there's some really dope tracks and I think the consistency is here. One thing though, is that the darkness of this album definitely gives it a bit of an identity that when you talk about even with EPMD being as hardcore and underground as they were, it is something that does, it's a bit jarring though, at, for a little bit. And as I stated, I don't know if that was basically a sign of the times or the environment that was surrounding EPMD during that time, but it definitely reflected on the record. And you can hear that. And it's funny that the title is Business Never Personal, because I think that it also kind of slips into part of the reasons of why they broke up. This is an album that after it dropped, I think everybody's sort of like, you know, we're expecting that things are going to continue with EPMD. But then all of a sudden they start having trouble. Now, here are the couple of things surrounding their breakup. And a lot of stories have been told. And of course, there have been some, you know, things that have come out in regards to their breakup right around this time when they were recording this album, you know, and they had been, you know, on Fresh and Sleeping Bag Records and eventually made their way onto Def Jam. Parrish Smith's house was burglarized. And according to Parrish Smith and in the investigation afterwards, one of the suspects supposedly gave up Eric Sermon as someone who actually paid them to rob the house. 
And you got to think about the circumstances of what surrounds this. They're in a group. They've known each other since middle school. They've been rapping together since high school. Then supposedly Eric Sermon pays them to go and rob his partner. That's crazy. So then Eric Sermon gets arrested and he's detained for questioning, but then no charges are filed against him. Then there's also, of course, you know, the tensions are going to be at an all-time high. Also around the time of their breakup, Eric Sermon is then saying that Parrish Smith is withholding money as a part of the group. So at this time, while they were recording this album and are on tour promoting this album, there are people that have come out with stories saying that they weren't on speaking terms with each other and that literally... It was just like as if they were though conducting business, that the business had to get done, that the album had to be put out, and they were going to go ahead and put out dope music, but they definitely weren't fucking with each other at this particular time. So think about this. Parrish Smith's house gets burglarized. Eric Sermon gets arrested. He isn't charged. Eric Sermon's also making these allegations that Parrish Smith owed money back. So you take those two things together, and then eventually a breakup is going to be inevitable, and that's exactly what happened they broke up shortly after this album came out heading into the next year. Eric Sermon came out with a couple of solo albums, No Pressure, Double or Nothing. He started the Death Squad with Keith Murray and Redman and Jamal. And then PMD definitely kept doing his thing. He definitely was still aligned very closely with Dots Effects. And then they reunited in 1997 and did Back in Business in 1997, which to me I thought was a pretty dope album and something good for them to come out with after they had been broken up for that long. But I want to read a couple of passages from Albumism. And shout out to Albumism and Jesse Ducker, the writer who wrote this review in Anniversary Retrospective. It'll be in the show notes about the 30th anniversary of Business Never Personal. Well, he says this in early 1993, during my senior year of high school, a friend of mine told me about an argument she had with her long distance boyfriend. She said she had poured her heart out to him over the phone about various things that 17 year old girls went through at that time. And she was angry because it didn't seem like he was paying attention when she told him. So he responded with something to the effect of EPMD just broke up and I'm really upset. Now, because I was her friend, I said something like, wow, I'm sorry. But truth be told, I absolutely understand the guy's pain. Hip hop music died for the first time when EPMD broke up. And if I'm being honest with myself, it hasn't nearly been as fun since. Hip hop was really better when Eric E. Double Sermon and Parrish PMD Smith were together on a track, passing the mic back and forth with effortless dexterity, ripping a hardcore funk track. Hearing their DJ, George DJ Scratch Spivey, cut it up on the wheels of steel was pure hip-hop nirvana. I can't remember when or how I heard it first about their breakup. The internet was barely a thing in early 1993, so I imagine I might have heard something on Bay Area radio station KMEL Wake Up Show or possibly read about it in the paper. I didn't even find out the details of why it supposedly happened until a few months later when I read about it in the source. I just knew that it had really bummed me out and it had barely been six months since the duo had released their classic fourth album, Business Never Personal. They had been in the midst of a run of legendary proportion, and now I had to face the reality it was over. Man, did it suck. And talking to a lot of people who are around and of age during that time, I think their perspectives, if they were EPMD fans, were the exact same. 
I mean, when EPMD broke up, it really bummed a lot of people out. And I mean, this was a group that, as you said, EPMD were definitely hip hop heads to their core. If you were a hip hop fan and you loved hip hop music, more than likely you were an EPMD fan. And when they broke up, I think it signaled to a lot of people that things were sort of like changing, like the winds were changing within hip hop because it wouldn't be the same when you had a group like this not together. Now, luckily for all of us, they did reunite and then they broke up again. Then they reunited and now they're still together to this day. But for those who heard this album, I think more people, even though this is a really dope album and some people will say it's a classic and you can argue that it's a classic, more people will associate this album with the breakup than giving it the proper props it deserves for being a really dope album. So EPMD's Business Never Personal turning 30 this week. Make sure y'all go check it out, man. The album has not been reissued yet, but it is available in, of course, some third-party sites and on a secondary market, but make sure you check it out on streaming as well. And hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know what you love about this album. And then, of course, about EPMD's breakup the first time, what you remember and what your thoughts about Pat are as well. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.